Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. How's everybody doing tonight? Tonight on the show, we've got a special guest. He was previously in Royal Thunder, and now he's going full tilt with his new project, Moon Destroys. Please welcome to the show, Evan DePrima. Keith and Tommy, man, thanks for having me on, dudes. Welcome, welcome. How's it going today? Going well. Sitting down here in Atlanta, just kind of taking it easy. We've been uh, binge watching, you know, like ID Go channel. <laughs> nice <laughs> for, for weeks now. You know, I used to I used to watch ID Network religiously, and I, I used to have the TV on when I would go to sleep, and ID Network would always be on. But I had to stop doing that because I would have brutal nightmares of like murder and torture, and I, <laughs> every single night it was horrible. Yeah, that happens, man. So now, you know, I usually play video games right before I go to bed. So I just dream about like Call of Duty or Final Fantasy VII, which is fun in, in a whole different way. Dude, FF7, that's, that's, one of, that's the best game ever made. Oh, my God. I, I totally agree with you. And, and the, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> this is like when you talk about school, Tommy. So hang in there. No, Final Fantasy VII. Now... It's. I think it's the best game story ever. It's just so engaging and so expansive. And I always wished they would do a movie, like a feature-length film about this game. Yeah. Because it's just such a good story. And the Final Fantasy VII remake is essentially that movie. It's almost like a, it's like a playable movie. I mean, it's a game too, but there's a lot of cutscenes and dialogue and all that kind of stuff. Have you played? I haven't played the new one. I, I you know, I'm... The PlayStation 1, like the original one, was like my whole childhood, man. I was obsessed with it. But I, I know they remade it, so I just, I haven't, I've seen clips of it, but I haven't, you know, I haven't owned, actually owned like a platform in years. But I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I need to get another one and just never get around to it. Can I recommend this? This is one of those things, Evan, if you have like eBay or something, just search up Raspberry Pi. Like, And when it's Pi, it's P-I, like the, the number. And uh, there's a platform on there that literally supports Nintendo, the old Sega Master System, Super Nintendo, um, and GameCube. That's what's cool about the older gaming platforms is you can just get everything through emulation. I don't know how legal it is, but uh, oh, yeah, hey, exactly. we're yeah. living on the edge here. Yeah. But <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake is excellent. And they change enough that it's like, you know, they're staying true to the story. But it's like, there's so much new stuff, too. I'm probably halfway through it, so I'm really digging it. I, I, Evan, I think you should get a PlayStation 4 and pick it up tomorrow. Dude, I, I just might do that. because So is the gameplay still the same? And they just... They'd... No, there's no more. There's no more random encounters. There's no more turn-based combat. If you've ever played, no, you haven't, because you haven't played any games recently. It's similar to like the Spider-Man game for PS4. It's like you just flip through the character. The fight is ongoing, and you just flip through the characters and like set up what you want to do. It's a little confusing at first, as it always is, but it's nice. I, I like the way it all works. I'm definitely gonna check it out. Yeah, because I remember the old one. You're just running around, and all of a sudden, someone hits you, and you're in a battle. Yeah, and then that's annoying. Like now, you just you just see them, and you run up to them, so that's okay. But uh, I've I've talked about it on this show before. On YouTube, there's a someone made a 13 hour 
or it's it's like a 13 or 17 hour YouTube video of all the game <laughs> all the gameplay and cut scenes and dialogue from Final Fantasy 7. It's like a 13 hour epic and I you know at some point in this quarantine I watched the whole thing. Like you know I'd settle in for the night with my food and like put that on the TV. Dude, it's amazing what what's what's entertaining right now. Juan Juan sent me like a uh, Phil Collins in the air tonight drum loop uh day before yesterday that's like probably 10 minutes long or something like that and i looked into the whole thing well, that's sick <laughs> just over and over and over again for like 10 <laughs> i need to hear that yeah so we were talking a little bit before we hit record evan you live in atlanta yeah i'm down here in atlanta right now i'm actually within a month we're going to be up in north carolina but i've been in atlanta for my whole life yeah man been a uh, Trying to get up north slowly but surely. How far up north are you trying to get? Man, I'd like, I mean, shit, if it keeps going the way it's going, I'm trying to get to Canada, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you on that. I read some story online where, like, people, Canadians were saying, like, please stop trying to sneak into our country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like the table has turned so much. It's like, come on, can you blame us? Like, look at... (laughs) Look at look at what's going on here. Look at the losing battle that we're fighting. Yeah, same. I'm gonna be living up near Charlotte within probably oh, nice. yeah within the month. So you know about four hours away from where am I where I'm at now. So not too big of a move, but the first the first step in the month, you know first step of stepping stone. Yeah. So what? Why are you moving up there? Just to get further north, or yeah, just change the scenery, change the pace, man. I've been downtown Atlanta for like the last, I mean, like I said, I've, I was born and raised around here, but I've lived like smack dab downtown probably the last 10 years or so. So, man, I'm just ready for some quiet. I'm going to have like built, like build like a little rehearsal space. So I have like my own little private area. It's kind of off the grid for a while, man. I just feel like it's perfect timing, you know, still, you know, still record records, you know, just drive down meet up in Atlanta again to do the records or Miami where, where uh, Juan's at or whatever, you know, go, go wherever. So, Right. So Juan is your bandmate in Moon Destroys, which right, is, yeah. which is your new band, which we're going to dive into. But how, how does it work with you guys playing together? Cause he's down in Miami, you're in Atlanta. Now you're going to be up in North Carolina. Yeah. We, you know, we, we basically send stuff back and forth for, for a while. Then we'll like, we'll set out like a few weeks every every other month or so and we'll get together and just kind of like marathon stuff like 10 hours a day type thing for a week or two straight you know demo or i mean that's how we that's actually how we did the ep that whole thing happened within like a week really yeah we'll just we got together you know just wrote for like man 36 hours straight or something and then uh just went to the studio two days and nailed down the instrumentals and then the other dudes you know, we'd send files of the instrumentals back and forth with the other guys on the EP kind of thing. So it's it's been that, man. Because Juan and I have actually, we played together 10 years ago in a band we had called Stallone, which mm-hmm. was like a an instrumental project that, that basically, it's actually what we were trying to continue when we got Moon Destroys together. We are like, hey, man, let's, let's get together and do some more St- Stallone tunes, you know? But it just evolved in the studio and we're like, we need to kind of maybe change, change the name and make this something new because it's so different now. Cause it, you know, it'd been about 
man, probably six years, seven years since we had actually played together. But we've always been like that. The chemistry between the two, between the two of us has always been insane. I was gonna. I saw. I was reading a couple things about you guys online, and one of the things that said you guys met up at a music store. Did you work there? Yeah, we were working at a little shop locally here in Atlanta. That's actually not there anymore. Basically, he was he had moved up probably a year prior from Miami to Atlanta. He lived in Atlanta for a while, and we kind of met on the job and didn't know each other. And I was like, dude, let's jam, let's jam, let's jam, let's jam, kind of thing. And we just finally actually met at a mutual friend's house. There's a bunch of people hanging out. There's like a kit and like a probably like a 412 like random stack in the corner. And we were just, you know, people were just like party jamming. So we get, we finally were like, all right, this is, this is a time, man. Let's, uh, let's utilize this. So we jammed at this party for the first time and we were just like, holy shit. So it clicked and we started getting together doing, doing, uh, demos and writing songs. And that's what eventually turned into Sloan. And then, you know, he had a band called Monstro at the time, which was, busier so uh he would go tour with them and then i i joined royal thunder so we both kind of went on tour tours with different bands for a while and did it and then next thing you know it's been like oh shit it's been like six seven years we haven't played together you know that's how it happened man i mean it was all just kind of a fluke just kind of fell into place naturally yeah and the 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 ep maiden voyage the 2020 EP from Moon Destroys. Now, this thing is awesome. And I love that you're mixing some instrumental with the vocal tracks because Tommy and I are like huge post-rock, post-metal fans. We're like oh. sending shit back and forth all day. So this is the best of both worlds. And that, you know, that's instrumental music has always been our main thing. You know, we threw, we got the dudes to do the vocals over it because we were trying something different, you know, and that's kind of the thing of the band where we're just, we're going to be writing instrumental music, even for the full length record that we're working on, like probably half of it or so, or be probably just straight up instrumental. I'm thinking, cause Stallone is that was all instrumental music, just kind of like heavy, just kind of, you know, just heavy, heavy riff rock instrumental, just <laughs> repeating myself. No, 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 <laughs> but it's like, let's just really quick with like the process in terms of like how do you guys like sit down and decide which ones you want vocals for or do you just like you know what this song's standalone this is a fucking great riff this works around itself like we don't need anything with this or how do you guys talk that through man it because this is the first time we've done it with vocals on the ep so it was a uh, i want to say we recorded stormbringer which is a song paul sang on that was the first one we did and the verses, you know, the verses were more open and we were like, you know, I think this, let's try some, some vocals initially. And then Juan was like, you know, I got my buddy Paul that we kind of, from Cynic that we kind of grew, they kind of grew up in the Miami scene together, you know, but he, you know, if you listen to his vocals, it's more, it's almost more of like an instrument because he'll do all the crazy vocoder levels, layers and levels and harmonies and all that stuff. Almost like a small choir. Kind yeah. of layered over each other so so it worked out perfectly because we're you know doing instrumental music and then paul comes in almost like another instrument but it's his voice you know so it, it it's basically just these two of these songs were had so much space in them it kind of evolved into more of like a uh more structured than what we were used to so it, it just kind of 
you know, I guess called for it. Right. Now the song that I'm blown away by is The Shores of the Cosmic Ocean. That's just such a triumphant post-metal opus. That's the jam, man. Thanks, man. That that song does rule. I love that one. That's probably my favorite one as well. <laughs> you have good taste. Thanks, man. That that that's a that that's kind of a throwback to our older days, man. When we would be jamming, you know, like we're saying like 10 years ago, like buddies' houses and stuff. Yeah, I can I can hear you guys all over it. Like I hear, you know, Juan all over it. I hear you. I, I've seen Royal Thunder before. I've heard Royal Thunder before. It's just like a a melding of uh, your guy's style and like a fresh new thing going on. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What you saw us up in? Uh, let's see what uh, what up in uh, like Hall of William, Music Hall of Williamsburg or something. Yeah, it was Saint Vitus. It was Royal Thunder headlined. Uh, Backwoods Payback was direct support, I think. I have, what year was this? Were you still in the band? Yeah, that was uh, one of the final tours I did. It was, uh, I think, I want to say that was like, man, winter of 2017 or something. 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. But that song, yeah, man, that's just, you're right. It's kind of just all of our, all of our influences and just like our, our signatures thrown into one. Because that that riff is funny because we'd only jammed it one time for like ten minutes before we'd actually recorded it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just like something we jammed practicing just for a second. We were like, "Hey, man, you remember that one thing?" And we just went in there and <laughs> laid down basically a loop that was because you got "Shores of the Cosmic Ocean" and then the last song you got "Edge of Forever." They were recorded on the same track. It's like at the same time, so we used one as like a like a reprise, you know, to come back in kind of like a classic album used to do back in the day. Oh, nice. And we just like reversed it, reversed the riff for the second part. So the notes climb down instead of up. That's the cool part about that's like, I was going to say there's the ascending part and then the descending section. And then it's like the only, this is what I think about like with music like that is like it definitely, People need a fucking escape right now, and there's nothing better than that type of music that kind of – it definitely does like it, – it, it's transient, man. It fucking is like transports you because like you're just in that moment so heavy and so, like especially if you turn it up, man. It's so good. Like that kind of – it always brings out something cool when you sit down with just music like that. Like it, it definitely makes your mind kind of wander and, and just like really kind of think about other things than what – you know the current state of the world <laughs> yeah man i mean it, you're exactly right i've been because that's like we actually both got tested a few months what well, shit a few months ago like a day feels like a month now but yeah. <laughs> it's like a few <laughs> weeks ago we both got tested came back negative got together demoed a lot for like our next our next just record or ep or it's gonna we're you know we're shooting for a full length but just whatever we you know it is you record a bunch of songs some may not may or may not work out in the studio you drop some keep some you know but uh right and that's always how the the best songs happen they just happen like quickly i always hear like on the stern show like all the classic rock guys talking about the most classic songs that are on all the classic rock stations and and they're always like yeah we wrote that in five minutes you know that, that that just always seems to be the way that it goes and the songs that you labor over i guess they don't usually end up the hits yeah you drop them <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're like dude i worked on that song we worked on that song for like 10 hours and you're like oh well this yeah you're right this one that came together in three minutes is better 
it's just nat- whatever feels more natural. And usually the stuff, the natural stuff's going to come together faster, you know? Yeah. You ever just give up on a song? I think I've done that where I'm just, I, like, I just can't put the puzzle pieces together and I'm like, well, that's it. Oh, yeah. A ton. Especially rhythms and stuff with drums. You're just like, uh, sometimes as a drummer, you're like, how can I move this? How I want to move this? And sometimes it just won't click. You got to come back to it later. <laughs> yeah. Drive you insane. Uh, oh, so let's go back a little bit. So you, you did you grow up in Atlanta? Yeah. So I grew up uh, about 30 minutes outside of the city. But, you know, as a kid, when I started playing music, all the places to play were down downtown, like all, mm-hmm. all the shops and everything was. So it's a, I mean, my buddies actually started like, you know, we had bands and we were little kids and stuff like that. Started playing downtown. Like our parents would drive us to the club when we were like 14 <laughs> we'd be opening for like these older dudes playing these heavy bands and they're like who are these fucking kids coming and their parents dropping them off when you were that age what kind of bands were you playing in shit i mean i like hardcore bands and you know i was obsessed with like megadeth and metallica and anthrax you know just heavy metal stuff and we're from the same school because that's like when I saw like some of the stuff, I was like, oh, the dude from Cynic is on this. I'm in my head. I'm going like I grew up like going crazy over that type of stuff. Like it, we had uh, who did we have? Oh, Brad Truex from Interpol. And I went off about like how I love Florida death metal. And in my head, I'm hearing Keith just be like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to hear about this. And he was like immediately like, yeah, dude, like super hyped on it. He was like, yeah, that's where fucking Morbid Angel. And that's where and he like went off for like 10 minutes about all the different drummers. I was like, yes, yes. I'm like, that's where I, I fucking always love that stuff. Like um, I remember um, a, a close friend of Keith and I uh, was a guitar player uh, and he was like, you got to hear this band. And I was, I think I was maybe in a, a junior in high school and it was the first time I had ever heard death and it was when um, the sound of perseverance came out and I remember hearing the opening to the one song and I was like okay I'm done I was like this is fucking insane I was like this is what everything needs to sound like this from now on I'm not listening to music that doesn't sound like this <laughs> yeah Tommy covers the metal end of things because I I used to listen to some of it like I used to dabble with in flames and nightingales and some of that more melodic stuff but i just never i never really got the the metal classics i went straight from like new metal to hate breed to Dillinger escape plan to you know so i'm just like it's got to be like someone's getting the shit kicked out of them or like we can't even tell what's going on (laughs) (laughs) oh man i mean i the thing about me dude is I, i i love everything i even like some like pop music and stuff yeah, you know, if it's good, it's good, dude. Yeah, I, I, I'm like that too, because that's why I'm glad we got in touch with you because I, I probably wouldn't have caught wind of you guys, otherwise. And it's like you said, if I hear it and it's good, it's good. As long as the song's good, I'm in. There was a period of time where Keith was sending me just like rap stuff all the time, and I was like, okay, I, I, some of this I'm okay with, and then other stuff. What was the one that you sent that I was so obsessed with? That oh, YFN. That dude. Uh, oh yeah, uh, YFN Lucci. Yeah. Holy shit. There's that that one song is the, I don't remember whose whose verse it is, like Young Dolph or something like that. Yeah. He, he has that one line in there. He's like, fuck everybody and fuck everything, and I mean it. And I'm like, oh, okay, so that resonates. Like, like <laughs> I can identify with this. Like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> like 
that's my daily affirmation. <laughs> so you you're playing in hardcore bands as a young fourteen year old. That's a young start. I I I dig that. Like you got started early. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, I started taking. I want to say I started taking lessons when I was like seven. It's like a little kid. I'm thirty now, so I'm still young. But it, oh, okay. Yeah, you are young. Shit. I I assume like. Well, at this point, I assume I'm older than everybody because I'm 38 now. So I used to be younger than everybody. Now I'm older than everybody. I've always been the baby in the band, dude. No, so, yeah, I was just saying I could never get down with like dudes my own age. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. Couldn't relate. That's like Juan. I was like his. Uh, he was like my mentor for years. Yeah, heavy music. He was like threw me through boot camp when I was, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh. <sighs> Yeah, man. I've always been the, the the youngster. But it was cool. I think it's, you know, I was around it as a kid. My mom played piano. Still does. Her mom did. Then her mom's mom did. So it was like all piano. Pianists. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Pianists, yeah. But yeah. I think they now it's acceptable to say pianist because people get like embarrassed by it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Just you got to make sure you really pronounce it or it might this conversation might sound weird. Because yeah. there's that there's that movie um, with the one with Adrian, yeah, the pianist, the, the pianist. But some people, <laughs> but some people will say the pianist. Like, I remember that because I think it won an Oscar, and I remember people being like the pianist. I'm like fucking pianist. Are you out of your mind? Like <laughs> the pianist, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. So I was around music a lot. So and it, it just kind of turned into like, all right, what are you gonna play? I was like, I, I choose drums, you know. Yeah. And you know what? That's a that's a good choice because if you're a drummer and you're good, you're guaranteed to always have a band because good drummers are in short supply and they're in demand. I hope it stays that way, dude. I hope program drums don't come in and replace us all, you know, because that, that stuff's starting to sound real, dude. That's what, yeah, like our last guest was talking about how, you know, they're writing, they're re-recording some songs and they're just doing program drums. I was like, you can just do that? Oh yeah. I'm like the whole reason I don't have a band is because I can never find a drummer. Like you're telling me I can just jump on Logic and do it myself? <laughs> he was so he was like so adamant about it too. He was like, uh, yeah, like just go get it. Like he's like, do you have a fucking computer? Okay, you can fucking record music. You're done. Like I gotta do that, dude. So many times I've heard like buddies buddies tunes they're working on, or and they're like, dude, check this out. I'm like, yo, man, that drummer's awesome. Who, you know who's playing with you now? And they're like, oh, I program this. I'm like, what? Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I do remember uh, this was like not that long ago. I was like uh, scrolling through Instagram and one of those things came up and it was like, um, I think you could just buy the sound packages. And I think the one was called the drum kit from hell. And it was just like all of these pre-recorded sounds that you can just program yourself. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they had like all these like subcategories. And I mean like super, super niche shit. Like, there was one fucking thing that was just crust punk. And I was like, what a fucking odd category to like fucking <laughs> in my head. Crust punks have like one dreadlock and fucking ass suck t-shirt. Like they fucking like, there's no, they don't have a computer. Like what the fuck are you talking about? But like, that's that there's huge sections out there. Of just fucking pre-recorded shit that you can just use. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I mean, it, I didn't even realize there was a whole genres that deep rooted, like, genres as they say too yeah they 
they had ones that were like uh, youth crew hardcore, and I'm like, wow, that's really specific. Like they, they yeah. go that specific, oh, dude. I, I have to like when we're done, I'll find the ad and uh, we can fucking talk about it on the next episode because in my head I'm going like, it, I remember they like it, I still get the ads fairly often, and I'm like. Jesus Christ, they, like, really went super deep with this. One was, like, called, like, tech death metal. There was uh, traditional death metal. Uh, like, all these, like, really, like, like sub-sub-genres. I was like, holy shit, dude. These people are fucking, like, deep in it. Like, and there's somebody's, in my head, I'm going, like, there's somebody's job that, to do this? What a fucking awesome job to have. <laughs> dude, yeah, I mean, I guess it's good. I You know, I guess it's good, especially right now. There's A lot of people are alone, so it's. Shit, man! Plug it, run it through the PA, and blast your Easy Drummer or whatever they call it now. Yeah, I could do my next EP. I wouldn't even need a band. Like yeah. my band dissolved because I couldn't find people. But fuck it, I don't need people. It's perfect. Keith, you have a bass? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably program that too. Fuck them. Yeah, my songs aren't that complicated. So, all right, so Evan, you're in Atlanta. You're you're playing in early bands, right? So how how do you kind of start to take this more seriously you know growing up i did you know i did like drumline and all that stuff growing up in school band and all that jazz band or and i got i was trying you know some people were like you should go to music school and i was like but why don't i just go play why don't i yeah. go to school <laughs> you know so so that's that's how i i guess that's really how i just got into it i was, i always wanted to do it and i just made it you know i just made it happen got dudes always play with dudes i knew who were serious even if i had to like prove my prove myself to them as a younger younger dude or whatever you know and just kind of i just kind of threw my i just kind of dove head first into something you know straight into the frying pan i didn't really know what i was doing at first yeah like when you're in it you've just figured it out i remember watching certain things bands did and i would replicate that and there was a point where in my first band where i had shit down to a science i knew how to tape the chords into the pedals to make sure everything was pro and i knew how to do my setup and i was like man i feel i feel like a pro now but now it's it's been so long since i've been on a stage i feel like i'd be starting all over again oh yeah i mean i i haven't even thought about being on a stage since in probably months now yeah Honestly, dude, since it started, I've been thinking about like, okay, what's going to be the next thing to make this work? <laughs> you know, it's so it, it's. I know a lot of people are live streaming, and we actually just when we demo just did like a live playthrough in Juan's room, just because like what, I don't know what else to do, dude. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's the one thing you can do right now because we still got to play, and I think the dudes who are who are uh, super heavy about it and really really into it are going to are going to figure out ways to do it no matter what. And uh, they'll still be there when you can go play live again. You know, it's like the, the test of if you're in, if you're in it and you really want to, you know, and you're a lifer player, then you'll just figure it out. Exactly. That's what Pat said when he was on here. Remember that Tommy? He's like, it's going to weed out all the like weekend dad rock bands. (laughs) Yes. No, he's like, yeah, dude. He's like people. He's like, Check the pawn shops, dude. It's going to be fucking chock full of fucking Telecasters because everybody's like, oh, I don't fucking feel like playing anymore. He's like, it's going <laughs> to weed out the weak people. Yo, so I, I found that uh, – I Keith is going to yell at me. But I found that that company that sells those MIDI packs, they're, <laughs> this, this is the listing of them. You're Black, back on this now? Black metal, cult metal, death metal, 
gent metal, doom metal, emo core, folk metal, grind core, industrial metal, mulatto death, melodic death, metal core, progressive death metal, skate punk, crust punk, all right, thrash all right, punk. All right, you got right, it? All right, I got Fucking, it. Dude. <laughs> I don't even know. And that. that's, I've never even heard of some of those, dude. Yeah. yeah fucking insane and it's like the the packs are like two bucks a piece it's fucking nuts damn well, i'm gonna get on that shit so evan when did you start like touring and getting out of atlanta and playing out of atlanta oh dude even when i was a kid we would we would play regionally really yeah we would uh you know atlanta so atlanta we play like nashville and the carolinas and florida and as a kid went as far as like new orleans i mean on the weekends of course being a young lad how old were you <laughs> like 14 15 so like our my pops would drive us to these out-of-towners you know so your parents were like totally on board with it like they were they were psyched about you playing music yeah i mean it kept us out of tr- kept me and my friends out of trouble you know instead of going out and doing stupid shit we'd be just blasting heavy music in the basement and then going to attempt to play live <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny, man. Looking back on it, it was so cool. Like, I, if I, you know, I, I want to have kids one day, and I, you know, hopefully, you know, when it's safe again, I can, I can do that. But uh, it'd be, it, I would totally do that for my kid. I'd be like, yeah, dude, I'll drive like my kid's shitty band all the way five hours and just go watch the play, basically for like two people. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, dude, I would absolutely do that. Yeah, like if my kid was into stuff that I'm into. Like that's just a bonus. Yeah, I I was just gonna say I well, I was I was up early on Saturday morning with Ellie because she woke me up because she wanted to go to the skate park and then go play lacrosse and I was like fuck I love both of those things let's fucking go <laughs> like let's fucking... it's like a mini you yeah and it, <laughs> and the best thing is is like everything they do you're like fucking a hundred times better than them at so they're like super psyched on just being around you and then they're like wait can you show me how to do that and I'm like okay cool like it's just it's just this pure interest in what you're doing. And like, they have that and it really makes me love it again because they have this enthusiasm that I remember having when I was little too. And you're just like, you latch onto that and you're just like, wow, this is just, I do remember it being this fun. Like she, we were skateboarding and she fell hard as shit and she got up and she was like, wow, that sucked. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, can we keep going? I was like, yeah, of course. And she just smiled and started pushing again. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking rad, dude. Dude, now if you fall as a grown man, it's it's over. Uh, yo. <laughs> dude, I actually fell today. I have like these spiral stairs in our uh, condo and I, I always I'll clip up sometimes and I just like I, I busted my ass, dude. <laughs> bottom it's embarrassing but hey man dude i've been in the house for months now it's i've gotten i've gotten brave on those things you know yeah there used to be a spiral stair tommy remember remember my fishtown gall street house yes. there used to there used to be two spiral staircases wooden and if you walked down those wearing socks like you were falling down the stairs there was there was no question about it and I did multiple times. One time I, I had two pairs of socks on because it was winter time and it was really cold. And I, I fell down the stairs, like on my back, like on my spinal cord, like down down each step. Oh. And then I, I climbed back up to go to the bathroom and I got real lightheaded and I went like head first into the wall. Oh, dude. Yeah, I wasn't even fucked up either. It was weird. 
I fell at this skate park about two months ago, and I was by myself. Uh, I had gotten up early because Ellie was like, she was like, I don't want to go tomorrow. She's like, it's gonna be too, it's gonna be too hot in the morning. I don't want to go. And I was like, all right. So I get up really early when I go. I get up at like six. So I got there, and I was so like hyped because I had the whole place to myself and it's a big concrete park and I was like yes it's fucking great and I did the dumbest like little grind on this tiny little obstacle and I just locked up and fell straight forward and when I went to go brace myself I hit my wrist and for like the next week anytime I turned my wrist a certain way it was like this instant like that pain that goes straight to your brain where it's just like like you twinge like it's that hard I reminded myself every time I was like typing, I was like, you're fucking almost 40. Can you please, can you, you get, you, I, you just have to be more careful. And I'm like one of the first people to be like, like, I, I'm like, my daughter goes to the skate park. She has like elbow pads, knee pads, wrist guard. She's got a helmet on. Like she's, she's like head to toe in safety gear. And I'm the dummy that's like, oh, I've been doing this for fucking 30 years. I don't need to do that shit. And the first time I, like when I really fell like that, I was the first time I've hurt myself as an adult where I was like, okay, you really need to kind of like be super careful here because I don't want to have to be at work with a cast on like, and, and then everybody's like, Hey, what'd you do to your arm? And then have to explain to them as a grown man, I hurt myself skateboarding. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's funny you say that, man. I, I, I busted like it. Same kind of thing. My buddy's like, I was like, I skateboarded growing up, you know, my, my whole childhood through, through teenage years, we were just all about it, dude. But like a lot of my buddies kept doing it after I stopped and they got really, really good. Like year after the year, you know, into the early adult years, they get really good and I'd still hang out. And I'd be like, and one day I was like, let me see that thing. I still got it. You know what I mean? And I, there's this, park, yeah, there's this park here in Atlanta called a Woodruff Park. And they have like these super jagged, like marble edges, ledges that like skaters will just hit, you know, like tail slide those things or whatever. And uh, I tried to pop up on that thing and I landed on my shin and like ripped my shin open. And there's like <laughs> my, my fucking uh, fat was hanging out and like, I could, oh no! Yeah, I could see my bone and like all the, it was messed up. Oh no! But it didn't hurt and it wasn't bleeding. It was weird. I I was gonna say I've seen that a handful of times when you get hurt, like when you especially if you hit the edge of an obstacle, it's uh it opens up to that white meat like the like you can see literally like the the bulbous kind of like fat part under your skin. That means you need stitches, like because I've seen kids do it before, and immediately they're like, "Oh, it's not even that bad," and then it starts just leaking, and you're like, "Yeah, bro, you need to lock that up real fast. Like, take your sock off, like tie it up, and somebody's got to take you. You got to get stitches." And they're like, "Really? It doesn't even hurt that bad." It's like, "Okay, well, here's the thing. That ain't gonna fucking. That's not gonna heal. <laughs> you're gonna fucking have a gaping wound on your shin for the next fucking four months, and finally, it, it'll eventually just get infected. Like, you gotta fucking take care of it. Like, it won't." That won't heal on its own. Like you at least need butterfly closures to fucking clean that shit. It was gnarly, yeah. dude. I, went, I remember I walked up to a cop that was like in the park and I was like, hey, man, do I need to go to the hospital? <laughs> and he was like, he's like, he was like, hell yeah, dude. Or, or he, didn't say, he didn't say dude, but you know, he was just like, yeah, of course. So Evan, tell us about some of your early bands, like some of the stuff that got you out of Atlanta and touring around and stuff. Oh, dude. Um, so yeah, we, my first probably like serious, serious band that we, we were doing was with Juan. So it's Stallone and then, you know, 
I played, oh, okay. I played in a band. Um, I played in bands before that, but like nothing like serious. We didn't like, you know, we'd go do the regional stuff, like I was saying, or like as, but we didn't like weren't like touring or really putting out records or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but uh, and then I played in a band with a bunch of my my old old buddies. Uh, there's a band here for a while called Big Jesus, based out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played with uh, my buddies in that for a while, and then did the Royal Thunder thing uh, for, with those dudes for like seven years. Like, and did a few great records together, man, and EP, and so that was kind of when I really got heavy in a touring was between those three those three projects, probably like 2000. 11 2012 is when i really started and for a while there you know like eight months out of the year kind of thing gone and how was that i mean did you find it difficult being gone that long i've only been on two tours one was national one was like northeast and midwest i think and yeah i mean it's hard i was 20 at the time so it was still fun i couldn't i couldn't imagine doing it now well actually i could because i travel a lot for my job now and it sucks you just kind of get get used to it i mean it, it it's always like the for me on on the road like the first week and the last week are the worst because you're like adjusting and then then like in the middle you're good and you're like on a roll you know and right then the last week you're like tired you're like a little tired and you're kind of like just like anxious to get to get home because you know you're going right. home you know but i mean you just I, I just got used to it man it just became normal to where you, you know it becomes normal to where you almost get stir crazy when you're home in between but to where you're like oh shit i i you know i got it it's it's a it's a hard balance sometimes mentally because you you're like moving 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 every day driving eight hours a day ten hours a day sometimes you know yes then you get home and you're just like sitting stationary for you're just you're just sitting (laughs) yeah i'll never forget how i felt when i came home from that tour it was like I was, I was like, what do, what do I do now? Like, what? How do I just fucking go back home with my parents? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah, you just like you feel, you f- it makes you feel like you're crawling out of your skin, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, I just got used to it to the point. I mean, because being a, being able to play, I mean, that's why it sucks right now. Bands can't tour because just being able to play live, it's it's not only like your outlet. But it's like your your bread and butter too, you know, as a as a band, you know, playing in bands, especially trying to make a a living or whatever out of it. As hard as that is, anyway, it's it's been real tough, especially you know, putting out records and stuff, you no know, touring in support of it or things like that. But you know, man, I think it's the cool thing is, is I think everyone's going to be so ready to to get out there again and play that it, by the time it is safe and they. By the time everyone gets their shit together and takes it seriously, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of good records that come out of this. I think a lot of good tours are going to come out of this. I think people are going to be hungrier for it than they have been in years, man. So Yeah, I think there's going to be a ton of, I hope there's going to be a ton of good shows. I hope there's so many shows that I have to make like tons of hard choices to decide which one I'm going to go to. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Even even in the past, there's there's years like that to where you're like, holy shit, there's good tours this year. Like they're just like one show after another, just rippers, you know. So I think it's good. You're right. I think it's going to be like that, but for like a long time. 
hopefully permanently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hopefully this is the last time we have to do this. Yeah, like who could have imagined that music would just be done? I mean, could anyone have predicted that? It's crazy. I mean, it, it happened like almost overnight too. Yeah. Yeah, the last show I went to was in December of 2019. There just, I don't know, there was just no good shows from January to March. And then there was, I, there was all these great shows happening in March. And then all of a sudden it was just like, mm, nope, nope, none of them are happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like with us, we just, that was the the first EP for this project that we put out. And, you know, with us, we were just like, Without, well, we can't tour. And we, we accepted it kind of pretty quick. And we were like, well, let's just start writing another one. And it's whatever, got to do what you got to do. And when we can go out live, we'll just play a little little something from everything but it's it's crazy because like you can do the live stream thing or whatever but it's 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 cool but it's not the same for the band and i and it's not the same for the audience it's it's almost like a mutual feeling of like because the band doesn't have the energy of the the audience to like riff off of and vice versa you know yeah my thing is i still love seeing live music even in my worst states i always manage to get out like to see a live band and i i just don't watch i don't watch a ton of band video stuff unless it's a band that does not exist anymore and then i dig around for stuff and it's got to be harder for a newer band like moon destroys as well if if you're an established band and you have like an audience and a i don't know you can set up a patreon and like i don't know there's stuff you can do but for a brand new band i imagine it would be harder yeah, I mean, it was definitely like, there was like a couple weeks of like, oh, but then it was like, you know what, let's just, fuck it. We'll just, let's just write a ripper, dude. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, we, we worked it out. Like we were saying last month, we got together and demoed. We actually like demoed probably 16, 17 tunes, ideas type thing. So we've just been studying it since then. Yeah, I think it's a good test to just figure out shit to do. Like with this podcast, we I went and figured out how to do it remotely, and then I'm like whatever I can think of to do, like different kinds of episodes, or we have this playlist now of like guests who come on and and old like bands from our area and whatever like stuff we like. So you know, just any idea I can think of to get stuff out there. Where there's a will, there's a way, dude. As they say, you know, it's true. Exactly. Is Moon Destroys planning on doing a lot of touring? Once the world opens back up. I definitely want to. Yeah. I mean, it was something we were figuring out right before this happened. Cause you know, it's, it's basically Juan and I doing it. And we have a, you know, it's basically like Juan and I are writing the music and we just have a bunch of our friends or fellow musicians that we respect and, and know kind of just guess, you know, throwing their thing in each song or, Hey man, so-and-so would sound awesome on this song. Hit him up. <laughs> you know what I mean, like it's that kind of project so live I, you know the idea is to just take out people who would be available that have been on the recordings or things like that whoever's available for said tour show you know kind of thing so that's that's the idea of it so it's almost like a huge collaboration in the long run i love that yeah i i love on hip-hop records there's always tons of collaborations and I I I go right to those tracks because I'm like these are going to be the bangers and I I like the idea of carrying that over into like our world of music 
you know, kind of like Converge did with their one record. Yeah. Uh, the 2010 record. Like, just tons of collaborations. It would be massive. I mean, that's where that's exactly where we're at with it, too, because, you know, we've done... We're just trying something new. Yeah. You know, it, it, I've seen heavy bands do it, and I've seen here and there, but I haven't seen a main project or something with longevity because like our plan is to just keep going doing this, you know? Yeah. So it's like every record's going to have, you know, different people on it type thing. So it's, it's been, it's, it is harder to like get it to come together sometimes this way, but it, it it doesn't put all your eggs in one basket and it kind of like opens up a lot of possibility that you may not have with just the same lineup all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, introducing new people into it can spice it up, and, you know, you might get some new interesting sounds out of that. That seems to be how certain bands take off. Like, you know, you can have a band that sounds like everything else, but if they're doing it in a new and interesting way, that that seems to resonate with people. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's why don't I have that that chemistry kind of like um, almost like a Luke and Yoda type thing to where it's, yeah. <laughs> to where it's like... It's hard. It's hard for us to. I mean, I wouldn't say it's hard for us to write with other people in the same room, but it's we we're in, we have an interesting way of doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's almost it almost works better for the two of us to just like we'll write it and record like the meat and potatoes, and then here you go, dude. Do whatever the do whatever you want. You know that's because that's exactly how we approach the songs with uh, Troy and Paul and the EP and Brian. It's just like, hey man, here's what we did do your thing and send it back. You can do whatever you want, you know? I think that's the way to go, honestly. Yeah. I like doing it that way. It doesn't put any limits on anybody. And, it, you know, if it also respects everyone because you're like, hey, we want you to be a part of this, but we also but do your thing. It just allows people to have that creativity and it kind of opens them up to be like, look, these, these people trust me to do something really cool with this. Like, let me try some like you know some outlandish shit and see how it goes because it like that flexibility encourages people to be more creative and put something there that you know is when you're you don't have those confines of like hey i want i want it to be like this um people are free to do a lot of different things and you might be like pleasantly surprised by it like like i mean keith we've done podcasts where we're like oh i don't know how this is gonna go and at the end we both are like yeah, what the fuck was that? How did that come together? That was so cool. Like, Yeah, I, think- I look at it like songwriting. Like, you just get in a room and you fucking start talking and sometimes you hit on a fucking major riff and you're like, yeah, I didn't yep. see that coming. Yeah, I mean, especially with writing. I've always liked just like, hey, dude, play what you got. Play, play an idea. Then we'll just jam the same idea for like an hour straight and not stop. I've always felt, you know, because I... I've always hated it, like jamming with anyone that has like a structure in mind before you even sit down. Yeah. Because you're like, dude, I mean, that's what you have in your head, but it may not work with what I have, you know. Yeah, this is, it's, it should be collaborative. Like it should be you guys working together and not, you know, hey, I'm in charge and this is what I say goes. Like, yeah. You got to show some flex unless you're fucking like Axl Rose you got to show some flex, man. Yeah. You know, you got to you can't just be like, "No, this is it." Like everyone's got to kind of have their way with it. Cuz there could be like 10 it's, you know, there could be like 10 different ways that were you could do one thing that's going to and all of them sound awesome. So yeah. Try it all. 
It's I mean that's how, that's how we recorded it too. We just went in basically went in the room live. No click on this guy. Just went in. Two of us laid down like drums and basic basic uh, like basic rhythm guitars, and then just went in and overdub you know guitar solos or leads or whatever. Just I wish we could have done the leads and all in the same room too, but it's just with two dudes. You know you can't have layered guitars. It's harder. Sometimes we'll use like a looper and he'll use a looper and stuff like that. Probably a lot of that in a live show just depends. But yeah, man, I mean, just the freedom, but also being able to like make it cohesive. And that's, I think Juan and I, Ice Chemistry has been, we're lucky because we have the freedom of of just jamming out and it kind of comes together, but it also like, I don't know, magically forms a structure. I don't know. It's kind of like, oh shit, that worked. Okay, cool. I'm not even going to think about how it did, but so you've been out on the road a lot, right? Give us give us some good stories from the road. What's some crazy shit you've seen? Any gun violence or drug dealing or street brawls or anything like that? Yeah, no. I mean, I not really, dude. I've seen a lot of coffee shops and <laughs> the inside of record stores, yeah, burrito spots, and um. I had a kid. I've had kids try to steal my shit before. Oh yeah. So what? What's your system for making sure someone doesn't drive off with the van? Now, our our friend Doug. Someone always sleeps in the van, no matter what, which is rough for that person. But it's a good way to guarantee that someone's not going to drive off with all your shit. What do you do? We did. That was one of the things we would do a lot. Would uh, have someone, depending on you know, if we couldn't, if we couldn't grab a hotel or something, sleep in the van or at a friend's house, but someone would always stay out with the van. Mm-hmm. That's always a good idea, man. Especially in like the winter. For some reason, the winter times, people seems to want to hit it more. I don't know why. Yeah. But uh, it's always a good idea. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a GoFundMe for like, hey, this band was in St. Louis and got robbed or like, yeah, this band was in such and such a place and lost all their gear. It's like, fuck, man. Like, Yeah, dude. It's, it's the same story over and over again. Just different bands. Dude, actually, there is a tour we did in uh, Royal Thunder. We, we toured with that band, uh, Enslaved, mm-hmm. which, which uh, we did like a winter tour, but it was like smack dab in like February. Like it was like a super cold year. I want to say it was like 2013. And uh, a lot of it was in Can- Canada. And it was like negative, I want to say it was like negative 40 degrees some days up there, like up near Oof. Winnipeg and stuff. And uh, this is a crazy story. This is probably one of the craziest, craziest experiences out there for me. But uh, so like we got stuck in Winnipeg after the show for like days, like because of the blizzard, basically, like just fucked everyone. And we didn't I want to say like one band on the road, it was like they made it. So they were able to continue the shows. And then the other band made it out of Winnipeg and got stuck like a like a town down. He got stuck in Winnipeg, and then the van, dude, like the van fucked up, like it fucking froze the shit, all the coolant in the engine, because we <laughs> we were we didn't, you know, we we hadn't toured at the time, we hadn't toured through like that cold of weather yet, so we had to get the van to a shop, get all the coolant fixed. It was like fucking six hundred bucks or some shit. But the next show that we could make it to was in Boston. So we we had we drive we drove from Winnipeg to Boston, 
nonstop and made it. How long of a drive is that? Dude, it was like 35 hours or something. Oh, oh my, my God. <laughs> we did, you know, we just did the shift. So like one person sleep, you know, sleeps while one person drives and you switch and you switch. And we just didn't stop except to get gas. Loaded. Are we in the next country yet? Fuck. <laughs> and it was a, it was that the spot. What uh, what's it called? Sinclair, I think. So yeah, we it was like Winnipeg to the Sinclair in Boston, straight load, straight in play. Like after a thirty-five hour drive. Real quick, Evan. I know there's a there's a couple of them, but is it the enslaved, like the black metal one, enslaved? Yeah. Holy shit! All right. Dude, they're they're super fucking like they're like and when people talk about like the old school like kind of like crazy part of black metal, that's them. Oh like, yeah, those dudes are. Those they put a split out. That was the first. I think that might have been one of the first or the maybe the first like black metal record I ever heard was they did a split with that band Emperor, and uh, dude, it's they're fucking they're crazy they're like crazy extreme like like Norway dudes. Dude, they like they rip so hard, man. They're from they're like from that yeah, they're from the heyday, dude. Yeah, they're they're like nut they're like that nutty part of like the black metal scene of like burn churches kind of stuff. <laughs> like that kind of fucking shit. They're like the most jolly cool dudes ever, and they just get on stage and just destroy it. I remember when my my buddy gave me this is uh he gave me that record. Well he had burned burned me a copy of that C D and he was like Yo, enslaved is and I don't remember their ages, but they were both of the dudes that were like the main two core songwriters were under. I think they were both under seventeen. Like one was sixteen and one was fourteen or something like that. Like they were fucking insanely young. I was like, holy shit! Like these dudes, fucking yeah. Like you said, they fucking rip. They're fucking crazy, crazy black metal. Great stuff. Yeah, they would just go into these riffs. Sometimes it was. It's like hypnotic, just like it's like brain warping shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so heavy, man. But that was that was probably one of my favorite tours of all time, despite like the crazy incident that I was just talking about. But it was that was the coldest I've ever been. I mean, we were still we were still at the point there to where we weren't making enough for hotels every night, so we were sleeping in the van in like negative thirty and forty degrees and shit. Oh, how do you do that? Uh, like with the sleeping bag, I guess, huh? We were we were still uh we were a three piece still at the time. Um so we would get in the back, full winter clothing on, face covered, beanie, and then we would be each be in our sleeping bags and then we would uh we'd all sandwich together like on the floor in the back and then we we would get like a comforter and put it over all of us and then we <laughs> we drape a comforter from the ceiling down so it like cover the ceiling. It was, it was like a process. And then we had like a, a motor oil or an oil drain that we would just hang out the door and like you could piss in it. And like, it, it, so went, so oh my God. Door. yeah, I mean, but that's because we were getting like, I think like $150 a night, maybe, you know, something. So between gas and everything else, you, you know, you keep, you're sleeping in the van on that, you know, so, yeah. and then it's you like scaling Everest. Yeah. But it, <laughs> Cut your teeth, man. I, I've never been. I've never experienced that type of cold. That's in, that like when I hear people, I've actually seen that before where they're like, you know, like on the news, they'll say that like, you know, like today, they're, you know, reached a record low in International Falls, North Dakota, wherever the fuck that is. And it's like it was minus 24. It's like, how the fuck do you deal with like, do they cancel school? Like it's that cold? Like what, they must. It, like, they must. 
I the 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 coldest I felt was negative four, I think, in Chicago, and that was horrible. You know, it, oh, yeah. and I didn't help that I didn't have a hat or gloves. But I, I <laughs> the hotel was close to the office, and I I ran like I was walking with a coworker. I was like, I can't, I can't make it. I got so I just ran to the office. <laughs> This is like this is the quickest. Keith, you can cut this, but like <laughs> my that 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 was like us. You know, we're off. We were all from Atlanta, where it snows like maybe once a year. <laughs> yeah, so we were like going just straight, and just had no no idea what to expect, man. Well, we're here, and it snows once a year, but we haven't had we haven't had a good snow in fucking forever, anyway. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't snow anymore, man. We're on our way out. That's my daughters it. are my daughter. <laughs> Evan, I, I have I have twin daughters that are six, and I have a ten month old, and they're like so mad. Like every time it, they're, I'm like, hey, it's gonna snow tonight. They're like, like enough to like go play outside. I'm like, probably not. <laughs> like it's it was always like a it's like a coating, and then it turns to rain. It's like we fuck. got that back in the '80s. Remember when like a pond would freeze and you could walk out on it and stuff? Dude, there was a time in eighth grade. It was that blizzard of '96. Yeah, we had. Th- 31 inches or something like that and yeah. i remember there was a couple like where the way my house was set up the way we lived um our houses were really close together it was kind of like 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 the levittown houses like you, there's not much space in between each house and uh i remember the snow drift on the side of our house went up to the second story <laughs> yeah like it, it was is that tall it was fucking you insane jumped out the window into it that would have been fun oh, i'm sure my mom would have been psyched on that <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's like, I mean, that tour, man, that, that, that was like, that's how the snow was. I mean, I'd never seen anything like it before. Like I remember on the Rockies, going through the Rockies, um, it's so icy that we would going down the hill in the van. We didn't have like chain snow chains or anything, of course, cause we were idiots at the time and we just hadn't experienced that yet. But we would like get to the top of the hill, going through the mountains and basically like go like five miles an hour down the hill and just kind of like slide. <laughs> slide down the hill. Oh my God. It's gnarly. Like 2 AM. Like, cause you're like, we get stuck up there. You know, we, we'd be, we'd go, we'd still be driving through the night and it'd be like, you know, 11 PM. And we're like, Oh, we're starting to go through the mountains. Cool. No big deal. I'm not thinking that like, Oh shit, we're going to have to make it through. And it's, we're still driving through like two in the morning. Like flying down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, the first time so I, w- I went to college up in the mountains up in Pocono Mountains and I remember uh, <laughs> we were taking the road back it was like we had come home from winter break and it was my friend and I and it was the first time I'd ever noticed them but we were on this road and on the side of the road there, it's really like the road is super steep and off to the right hand side uh, like every probably like every half mile or so maybe every mile there's this huge it looks like a ramp going it looks like someone's really steep driveway and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, well, look at someone's driveway. And I remember my friend who was like from up there was like, yeah, that's a runaway truck ramp, dummy. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, when it's icy out here and the trucks are coming down here, even when they apply their air brakes, they can't slow down fast enough. So if they have a huge, like, uh, like if they're towing a big load and they can't slow down, they basically drive up those ramps. And because of the steepness of the hill, it slows them down before they actually crash. And I was like, that's insane. I was like, I don't fucking ever want to be anywhere near that when that happens. Can you imagine that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Like it's so scary to think like it's a it's like a sixty thousand ton vehicle fucking doing fifty five miles an hour and it's next to you. You're like, I hope this thing doesn't have to drive up a huge ramp to stop. Like that's I I remember just seeing it being just when he told me that I was like, that's bullshit. Like that's not what those are fucking for. It's somebody's driveway. And he's like, why do you think they're so evenly spaced? I was like, oh. and he's like, and why do you think they're only when we're going downhill? I'm like, I don't I don't know how those guys. That's a, quite a skill, man, because I, I see those guys driving, like, tractor trailers through Manhattan, and I'm like, how the oh. fuck are they doing that? Dude, that always blows my mind, because you're, like, in my head, I'm going, like, I get nervous driving in, like, like especially, like, if I was downtown, like, my wife yeah. has to go to Queens tomorrow, and she's, like, already panicked about it. And really? I'm like, no, it, I'm like, dude, it's fine. You're just fucking, you're going straight, like, you literally are on highways 99% of the time, and she's like... Yeah, but it's so scary. Like, I don't know the streets, and I'm like in this area, and I'm like, think about somebody that has to deliver like Coca Cola to fucking, like, yeah. like to fucking all the corner stores. <laughs> like, the fucking dude's got to drive that fucking huge truck through the fucking middle of downtown Manhattan. Like, it's fucking insane. Yeah, all you got to do is really pay attention and just move with traffic. Now, I'm I'm horrible with directions, and I fucking get lost constantly, wrong turns, all that stuff. But I, I can do it. If I can do it, she can do it. <laughs> I always think about the the inconvenience, though, of, like, when you, like, uh, there's a 7-Eleven in front of my house, and sometimes I'll go there to, like, get milk or something like that if, uh, like, we ran out. And sometimes I'll be there. I usually go early in the morning before anybody's really there, and the delivery trucks will be there, and they have to literally take up, like, all, because it's a really small parking lot, they have to take up all the spots. And all I think of is, like, um, I would be on like such high alert of like I'm so sorry that there's no parking here because of me. Like, like I would be apologizing to everyone as they walked in. <laughs> that's the worst part, dude. That that's the worst part of of tours is parking in busy cities, dude. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. That's I I've never realized this until now until we're talking about it. That is it, dude. So what do you do? How do you find a spot? Because this is something I think this is actually something I worry about. This is how neurotic I am. Like I'll be, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be walking up to the venue like Saint. I live pretty close to Saint Vitus, so I'll be like walking up and I'll be like, oh, I hope they found a spot. I, I, there's no spots around here. <laughs> like, how do you do it? Sometimes it takes hours at certain in certain places, man. Hours? Yeah, I mean, there have been play- times where it takes hours. I mean. St. Vitus, luckily, is awesome because you can park on that street. So if you get there early enough, you can get a spot, like, right across from it. Parking there has always been awesome. But, like, we played, what is it called, LPR, and uh, parking there was was crazy, man, because you can't park near it. So it was, I want to say it took, like, an hour and a half, maybe (laughs) two hours to get the spot. Because you just don't have an option. Like, you can't haul gear that far. So you're like, we got to get close. Like, drop it, and then you... You, someone will take it and park. But it, luckily, I I was never the one to park because I was I'm always the worst driver, literally. <laughs> so it's a that's good. <laughs> it's, that's that's the worst. But I've I've accompanied many many parking quests. Been in the passenger seat many times. I remember seeing that on South Street, like walking on South Street and see like a a tour bus parked outside of the TLA and oh be like, yeah. And be like, oh, how do they do that? <laughs> like, 
I can't even. I had to park off a of fucking Bainbridge. I'm like fucking eight blocks from here. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, how did they find parking for like eight spots? They probably had a spot sectioned off for them. Hopefully, I I think they do. I think that's what they do. Is they they have the sections kind of like uh like kind of quarantine like no one's allowed to be in those spots or they park something there that's movable and as soon as the the tour bus gets up they just move everything out yeah, yeah. probably cone it off like yep fine citizens so evan you've done a lot of touring you've encountered a lot of people in music have you ever run into one of your musical heroes and just been very disappointed with the outcome man not not to the extent to where it's like oh man that dude just uh but like I've done stupid things around people that I like were my heroes. Like I've done embarrassing things. Like uh, anything you want to share? Like it, we played what Hellfest 2014. I I was like we had a bunch of pizzas that were left over, and I was always like the dude like, hey, I'll take whatever food no one wants, you know, and I would take it and eat it because it's what I did every show. I was yeah. all about like I was like the food scavenger. Like, <laughs> Hellfest, I got I had probably like 10 pizza boxes that were left over. I was taken back to the room and uh, I couldn't see in front of them and I was walking with them and there and I heard I heard my buddy like, dude, you're walking you're about to walk into Slayer, dude. <laughs> they're they were literally like walking to go play their set and I was like walking into them with these pizza boxes. But, like shit like that is what I've done. But I haven't I you know, it's dumb, embarrassing shit, but I haven't uh I haven't like uh, been bummed out by anybody because I am kind of a quiet, reserved dude. Like I, I'll say like what's up to people, and then just be like, but I won't. I'll be like too like timid to like get in conversation, especially like the dudes that are like legends or something. You know? Yeah, same here. I I I'm pretty quiet now. Some people you ask, you might not get that answer, but you know, now I'm pretty quiet, pretty timid. So I don't. I don't really get in people's faces too much and i kind of read the room like you can tell if someone's like doesn't want to be bothered or yeah, exactly. if they're standoffish or if they're just talking to their crew and, and i'll just let them be but you can kind of read if someone's like cool and i might be like hey what's up you ever misread that though and then make an ass out of yourself like completely <laughs> i i did that at a party in college and i remember like all these kids were like going upstairs to go party and they were like there was the downstairs like kegger and they were like going upstairs to another room yeah. i remember i was sitting on like a sectional sofa and i was sitting with a bunch of people and this one girl i really liked was like hey are you coming up and i looked at her and i don't know why but she made direct eye contact with me and i was like i looked at her and i just went yeah i'll be up in a second and she looked right back at me and she went not you <laughs> <laughs> uh. it was it was like it, it's still one of those things. Like the hair on the back of my neck is standing up right now. Like it, it's not like oh, it's embarrassing. It's like embarrassing. Like it cuts to your core to like where you're like oh the the person I am is garbage. Like I just ugh. What I hate fucking... that. This happens I... to me a lot where <laughs> I walk in a room and someone's looking at me, big smile on their face, waving, and then I I wave back, and then like someone walks up behind me and they're talking to that person. I hate that. So, oh. I, and I'm so neurotic about it that I, I don't say hi until I'm absolutely sure it's me. So people are like, "Oh, he's not friendly. He doesn't say hi." But I'm like, I'm like so scared of that situation of misreading the hello, dude. When Bluetooths first came out, I can't tell you how many times somebody was like, 
talking to somebody on their Bluetooth and I would like fully engage in a conversation with them and then they would just look at me and be like, the fuck are you talking to? And you're like, <laughs> oh, like they would be oh, like at like a, I remember I was at a Wawa and the guy was opening like the, the dairy case and he was getting out like protein shakes or something like that. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I wonder if these are any good. I think I'm going to grab one. I was like, actually, I've had those. Those are pretty decent. And he looked at me like he was fucking like so like, like he had just smelled shit. Like he like the face he made at me was like, ugh. I could still picture it to this day. That's how fucking awful that moment was. I was like. Ugh. All right. <laughs> and he was like, he just looked at me and just walked away. I was like, oh, he's got a headset thing. So I haven't really been disrespected or had a bad experience with anyone I really respect so far. But back in the day, people used to actively try to keep me away from certain people and certain bands because I was I was always so out of my mind, drunk and high that like my friends would be like, all right, we can't let him talk to so-and-so because he'll talk their ear off. And the only, the only thing I've probably disappointed other people. Cause I remember, <laughs> I, I, I remember Garrett Klon from uh, Texas is the reason played an acoustic show in Philly. And I went and I was real drunk. And afterwards I, I went up and I'd like talked his ear off. I had my, I had my arm around his shoulder and I was like, I was oh, like no. close talking him. I was like, I started this band it sounds like Texas and this and that. And I was just talking, talking, talking. Like, so I, I used to do shit like that. Oh, Keith, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> I'm like, lit- ugh. I just, uh, I can't, I can't yeah. deal. That type of uncomfortability, like, I know some people can exist in that and, and some people even relish it. Like, but I, I, that's why I can't watch, like, people like, um, like, my wife really likes The Office. Yeah. I watch that show and I'm like, this is so cringy. Like that guy's such a douche. Like he's so obnoxious and so not getting other people's social cues. And yeah. My wife's like, that's the funny part. I'm like, it's not funny though. It's sad. <laughs> like, it's, why, why are you laughing at it? Like it doesn't, it seems more like you're laughing at this guy's pain. She's like, yeah, but that's why. Cause he's like a lovable kind of like loser, but he's like, you know, he's endearing. I'm like, I, I just, I don't get it. Today I went into my Gmail. I wanted to see how far back it goes. And I saw back to like 2010 and I was just looking through like old band emails. And at one point I was like, hey, can you drive me and all my gear this really far distance to, uh, you know, to drop me off? There's there's $20 in it for you like that. That's what I said in the email. I was like, wow, what a dickhead I sound like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, that's how I asked. Like, wow, I'm I'm I hope I'm not that same person. Man, you know, email is always weird. It's always hard to judge like an email. I, I've gotten some emails to where I'm like, what does that mean? Because you can't, you can't like read emotion out of an email. So you're like, is this dude being a dick or is this dude mad at me? Or like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no tone to it. So you're just like, I, I've gotten those emails back from like supervisors where they're like, looked at it. Everything looks fine. It's like, like fine, like okay, or like fine, like we have to have a conversation about this later. Like I, I immediately might you like, like Keith, you're saying like my neurosis goes into like overdrive, and I just like I, I, I immediately picture the worst, and like then I'm like, all right, so this is how I'm gonna get fired. I'm gonna sit in a chair. They're gonna make me sit down. They're gonna do that, and I'm like, oh no, this is just like <laughs> my brain just gets out of control with it because like it's one line, but you read into it so much. That's why I like emojis. Now, obviously, you can't use them in most work situations. But, you know, if I'm sarcastic, joking around, I can do the laughing with tears emoji. And I I use the prayer hands emoji a lot to signify, like, 
humbleness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not coming at you. Like I'm I'm like saying this statement or it's with like, a bowed head. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. So those are helpful. So Evan, you were rolling with uh, Royal Thunder for a while, like like eight years or wait from 2012 to like 2018. Now, did you ever share with anyone why you ended up leaving that band? You know, it, it's just. I, I was I was ready to kind of take my own, get my own ship and steer my own ship and do my own thing for a while. You know, that's because I, I hadn't been able to do that in so long and I missed, yeah. you know, I was, I mean, granted like World Thunder, it was like all, we were all a huge part of the records we did. We were all equally, you know, part of it, but I wanted to start something from the ground up again. You know, I wanted to. It, 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 I left in 2018 and then like a couple of months went by to where I was kind of like thinking about what to do. And then Juan and I got back in touch and we were like, dude, let's do another Stallone EP, whatever. We might as well. And that's how, yeah. that's how the whole thing started. So it's just kind of like picked up where it left off back in the day, but it's, yeah, I just wanted to do, do my own thing again. I mean, we, we're all still, you know, we're all still cool and stuff. We're still no, yeah, nothing like that or anything, but it's a. Uh, You're just ready for the next chapter. Yeah, exactly, man. So, how are you making ends meet now that the entire music industry is shut down? Dude, it's been fucking hard. I mean, savings, luckily, and uh, unemployment. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I when I'm not playing, I'm, I do tech work. Like in like, I work in a warehouse where we rent out gear to like touring bands or rehearsals and stuff like that. So I pack basically like I pack drum riders all day mm-hmm. and like it's all free, you know, freelance work, like 1099 work. And, um, all, all my summers work, like my bread and butter just basically overnight was gone as soon as live events hit the shitter, you know? Yeah. So I just, you know, applied for unemployment luckily and was able to get through after a few months from calling hundreds of times. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so that it's been tough, man. I mean, I, right now it's just kind of like, I'm, I'm just thankful to have my wife by my side and both of us are just taking it day by day and thankful to, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of people have it a lot worse and, as long I feel like right now, as long as you get a roof over your head or and like that's I mean what more could you need right now because it's just fucking going south, but like i was I was saying earlier, I think um it's gonna be like a huge musical revolution after all this shit's over absolutely, yeah, and that, I think that too like i I get upset about how much money is going on my credit card. And I think I'm never going to pay all this off. But then I'm like, hey, I mean, I live in a nice big apartment by myself in Williamsburg. I've got food. I've got a job. Everything's going to work itself out. I just got to be patient. It's a way to think about it, man, because it's just like, what else can you really do right now, dude? So I feel like right now, just focus on keeping yourself and your loved ones safe and then just get ready to ready to rip when you can again. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I found ending like I end a lot of like people like if I'm not if I if it's somebody I'm not in like contact with a lot I find myself ending text messages and emails with stay safe like yeah just that reminder of like make sure like 
take care of yourself. Like, yeah, getting getting weird out there. Because I I remember when this first started, and I guess it was about maybe three or four weeks in. Uh, um, Keith, a mutual friend of ours, Chuck Moran, the guy that does all the horror prints. He does like a lot of gig posters and stuff for bands and stuff like that. Yes, and he <laughs> he posted. Uh, I don't remember who sings it, but it's that old song from the '50s, "See You in September." And I remember being like, ha, 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 what if this lasts till September? What a joke. And then... Here we are. Here we are. Next Tuesday of next week is September 1st. Like... Yeah, I didn't really understand it at first. Like, I wasn't really taking it that seriously at first. Because nothing was shut down in New York yet. You know what I mean? Like, people were yeah. just saying, oh, you have to quarantine. But I was like, but bars are open. Restaurants are open. Everything's open. If if I quarantine, everyone is still going to be out doing everything. And then once they officially shut everything down, that's when it kind of became real to me. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to like, I got to do this. This is real. And I've been taking a lot of precautions. I wear the mask everywhere. I still wipe down all my groceries with Clorox wipes. Yeah. I still wash my hands when I come in the house. All that stuff. It's the thing. I mean, I was the same way, dude. Like Juan was telling me, because like I was the same way in the beginning. I was like, oh, it's just, you know, this, they say this kind of shit all the time. And then yeah. Juan's like, I don't know, dude. I think this is different. And I was like, all right. And then he was like, check this out. And he sent me like uh, the CDC dude who came on the Joe Rogan show. Mm-hmm. And he was like talking about the virus. And I was just, and that's when it really kind of changed my perspective. Because I was like, holy shit, this is different. Yeah, because that's when when that realization of like this – because remember when it first started, they were just like, yeah, it's really just affecting people that are like 65 and older, people that are like you know morbidly obese, people that are diabetic, people that have pre-existing conditions. That's who it's affecting the most. Yeah. And then, then you hear about – I remember somebody posted a story like in April and it was about a, a young uh, doctor in an emergency room who was like in good health and he was like 32 and he was on a ventilator and finally died after like two weeks and I was like – Okay, never mind. Change plans. <laughs> Fucking locking up. Everybody's in. Like we didn't. We have a big thing at our house where we used to go every Friday night with like my girls. We would go out and get stuff to eat. Like we would do like go you know get pizza somewhere or you know go to a sit down restaurant and have like dinner as a family. And then it just became like okay, we're not going anywhere. Like we only have really started getting like takeout, like getting like either going picking up food or getting food delivered, like in the last month. Yeah, it's really sad, man. Like I don't know if you guys have seen. There's like this progression of pictures of this guy who died. He was like around our age, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to wear the mask. I don't need to take precautions." And then the next picture is like, "Oh man, I have the coronavirus. It's really hard to breathe. This sucks." And then the next picture is like his obituary. Yeah. And it's it's just really sad, man. Like I don't want to see that happen to anybody. Yeah. Like I I just I just wish people would take the right precautions and be as safe as they can and, you know, you don't have to die from this thing, hopefully. Well, it's like, dude, it's like, dude, just just put a mask on your face and if you're going to get around, if you have to get around people, just make sure you get tested, dude, and like you know beforehand and then you know you're negative and then quarantine before that. You know, right. there's ways to be smart about it. It's just, it's just crazy when you drive by like a fucking movie theater or something down here and there's like 
packed and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> are yeah. movie theaters open down there? Dude, everything's open down here pretty Are you serious? Yeah. Dude, I can't even imagine that. What yeah, is it like? Nothing's open up here. Nothing big open. Like anything that where people would have to congregate is it, nothing like that is open. Dude, it's crazy. I mean, dude, our, our governor's a total idiot, Georgia. We were. Th- I was thinking about this the other day. There was that guy because you, Keith, you were talking about that progression of like that the guy that was like our age, and you saw like his posts right in a row. Yeah, I remember. Um, he just passed away not that long ago, but um. He he ran for president, I think, in two thousand twelve. Her, oh, her, uh, Herman, Herman Cain. Cain. Yeah, yeah. He was like the he he was the the CEO. He was like a big business guy. He worked for like Pillsbury and Godfather's Pizza and shit like that. Right. And he was one of these people that was like, "This is a this is a democratic hoax," and this is that, you know, and, and very dismissive of it. And they they one of the last pictures of him is at. Um, one of these like large uh, like Republican convention kind of Trump type rally. things. Tru- yeah. yeah, it's a Trump rally. That was it. Yeah. And I was like, and it's him without a mask on. And then you find out, you know, He's less dead. Than, uh, three weeks later. Yeah, I think it was like 21 days later he was dead. And I was like, oh, my word. Like, dude, because people don't, like you said, people don't take it serious. And then here we are like dealing with like the fucking, you know, numbers fucking rising. Like we were starting to go back to like school. Like they were saying in Jersey, um, like, yeah, we're going to go back to school. And I remember even talking to a couple people that were like, like, like principals at my school. And they were like, don't, don't even, don't put your money on that. I was like, really? And they're like, everything's changing day by day and they're like i i work in mercer county which is has one of the highest infection rates in in southern jersey and they were just like look local schools around us especially in pennsylvania are already like pushing classes to be online until least november so just just hold off and sure enough uh my into my first week of school like with like just being online with no kids, like just going to Zoom meetings and stuff, they they immediately were like, it, I think we were on the second day or the third day, halfway through the day, we're like, yep, we just made it, we got the uh, word from the governor, it's okay, we're gonna go completely virtual until November first. And it's like, oh, what a relief! Like I I couldn't imagine with all these infection rates rising, being like, let me go stand in front of thirty kids. I don't know why we've done away with common sense. Like forget political affiliations yeah dude. are you willing to lay down your life for a political party in this fucking country i mean come on if they tell you that a mask can help i'm gonna give it a shot because i don't want to die bro at this point if they told if they told me you know eating my own boogers would help i'm fucking into it like i don't care like and the, <laughs> sci- the science is like pretty definitive like the masks are stopping transmission like it's not stop like people are like well it doesn't even stop you from getting it it's like yeah but if you're asymptomatic and you're fucking walking around and you know spreading your like germs and saliva on things like whether you know it or not you could be unconsciously you could be fucking infecting people whether you like it or not like it's just that's what it is um my daughter's having surgery like not serious but like on uh wednesday this week and I remember, like, when we got the phone call, like, hey, we're pushing back this surgery because it was originally supposed to be in June. And they're like, we're pushing it back. We're just going to wait. And we got the call yesterday. They're like, yeah, take her 
to um, we have a drive up clinic. You can, you have to get her COVID tested before she comes in the building. And I was like, see, this is not what was happening in fucking April and May and June. And this is why we had this huge spike. It's just it's like if we had just been testing people and like like Evan, like you said, all right, I know I have it or I know I'm negative. Now I go in quarantine. Like yeah. now I take now I now I take the proper precautions. But people just aren't doing it, man. It's fucked up. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, down here, it's, it's really just with the businesses that are open and are allowed to be open still. I'm just kind of like, what the fuck? We're, like, what, what's going on? Is this like the, the fucking Twilight Zone or something? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, it's, if people, if people just do it for like a few months, it, it would be a lot better. I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, live shows and stuff. Like, I'm I'm optimistic about it, but I, I'm just I, I mean, I don't see tours happening, especially in a, in, a, in regular markets until until there's a vaccine, probably. Yeah, maybe maybe 2022, man. Oh, could you imagine, dude? Yeah, I mean, it's just shit. I mean, I hope not. I I don't I don't know much about the vaccine, but I know that they were saying like the the progress on them, even the fast tracking that they're doing now, like they were still saying it it could be at least a year. Yeah. <sighs> That's fucking insane. Like it, when you hear about it, you're like could you imagine being in this same position a year from now? Like I like my family. I love them. They're amazing people. But being in the house with them for an entire year is <laughs> it, it's a scary prospect. I, I one of the first things I thought of when um with this first started and they were like, you know, this is this quarantine is serious. You're really not going outside. Like, don't go out unless you absolutely have to. Um, I remember I, I we had like nothing in the house. We have a baby. And I remember we didn't have any of the like she eats like this rice cereal and my wife's like i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the store and just get the bare like essentials like what do you need and i was like well we need milk we need eggs we need butter and then we just need the baby's rice cereal and she's like okay i'm gonna go out and she was like dude it's literally like it's the weirdest thing in the world driving on the street like there's no cars out um in the supermarket like you can only go one direction like they have like lines on the floor like they you can't go back up and down the aisles like you can't shop like normal like remember the uh tiger king era of quarantine yeah dude doesn't that feel like fucking 17 years ago dude i forgot it existed until you said that it's been it's it feels like it's been that long dude yeah like every everything just feels so different month to month i can't even comprehend it I like, watched the sh- I watched the Shining and I was like this is so odd how, how like the the kind of like kind of back and forth that we're going through now of like no stay in the house and then like oh you do to kind of get stir crazy when you're in here like this is a weird kind of like ugh like I, there's a couple times where you know the girls have gone to bed and it's like eight o'clock at night because my kids are little like so like it's like eight o'clock at night and it's summertime so it's still light outside and you're like we should be doing things <laughs> like we should we should be doing stuff like hanging out have people having people over grilling out back and like i remember it, there was nothing more depressing like when i was really broke and all fucked up and like you know just didn't have anything to do sometimes in summer i would go to bed at eight o'clock and it's like it's still light out. <laughs> like that's the most depressing feeling in the world. 
You still hear birds chirping. It's like the Simpsons when they when they start living with the Flanders and they exactly. go to bed and they're like, it's fucking still it's still light outside though, Mr. Flanders. He just yanks the curtains closed. I've had days during this to where I like I literally like haven't gotten out of bed all day until the next day. Like I, I really except to get like food or go to the re- bathroom, you know, just like because the t like the TVs in our bedroom. So just there have been days like. We're just, and I'm just like, holy shit. I just sat in the bed for like 15 hours, dude. <laughs> I could never do that. I, I hate sitting in bed. So, Evan, what do you do to to keep yourself centered during these times? Like me, we have this podcast. This takes up a ton of time between uh, interviewing and editing and everything that goes into it. And I play a lot of video games. Uh, what do you do? Man, we've been cooking a lot. I've, I've actually oh, nice. Been, cooking has been awesome. And I've gotten a lot better at it actually through this whole thing and a lot braver. I've had failed meals, of course, but yeah, so that's, that's been awesome. You know, just of course, like practicing, I've, I've practiced a lot on been on just like the drum pad a lot through this. So just like rudimentary stuff and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And other than that, I mean, we've been the last few weeks we've been painting in the condo because, you know, we're doing the move. So we're, we're going to sell this, the place we're at now so it's um been able to do that luckily just paint paint all the mm-hmm. walls for the last few weeks and stuff like that so just a lot of like house projects cooking a lot you know practicing and brainstorming basically just like for the band you know just throwing just throwing shit out of wall and seeing what's gonna stick through all this you know <laughs> you know what i mean just trying to figure yeah. it out man yeah, you know, we wrote a ton of, like I said a few weeks ago, we demoed a lot, so we're we feel pretty good about trying to cut another record this year. Um, hopefully, put it, you know, pop out next year. And uh, if we that's still good. can't, if we still can't tour, we'll just do another one. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. Yeah. So we got a new record coming up. Is it going to be an LP out sometime next year? You said. That's the plan, man. Like the plan yeah. is we tentatively we want to be track, you know, tracking this record in the fall mm-hmm. to put out, you know, like quarter one of twenty twenty one. We'll see what happens. I mean, right now everything's a green light unless the shit gets so bad in the country that no, you know, you know what I mean. There's no possible way we could do it, but hopefully that won't happen. I, I hope so too. That was actually one of those things that I I was thinking about when I they were like, "Hey, November first, we're gonna go back um, to school, like potentially go back to this hybrid model where like half of the kids would be online and the other half would be in the classroom and you would just teach live in front of a camera." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And then I was like, "November first, I was like, oh fuck, November third's the election." I'm like, "Oh no, if like something goes wrong with that and there's like." riots or like you know upheaval or whatever in my head i'm going like oh no like i i work in a major city like i'm in trenton so i'm like dude this could be a fucking mess like we could be getting back to school and like everything go to shit just again like fucking crazy i don't know why they're putting dates on stuff still like oh we're gonna start back like i see this all the time with like the governors and all this stuff it's like dude just say like everything's on standby until further notice (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's annoying because at at work, that's what every meeting is. Like, it's just people saying we don't know and stuff getting pushed back. Yeah, it's like, hey, we'll let you, it should just be like a we'll let you know type thing when when things are under control. Exactly. 
I see tour. I mean, even rescheduling tours, I'm just is a dice. It's even a dice roll, and like I feel for, I just feel for everyone right now because it's like you can reschedule a tour, and you still don't know if it's even going to happen. So, I mean, I that's why with us, we pretty much just gave up on touring on the TP, unfortunately, because it's. I mean, first of all, it's our first DP, so it's we don't have a lot to tour off of it anyway. But yeah. at the same time, it's like I'd hate to book a ton of shit and have it just fall through because of this shit. I'd rather wait until I know it's a it's a green light, a hundred percent, and then just go full steam ahead. You know? Yeah. So let's say you don't play another show until the LP is out. You've got an LP out and an EP out. Now, do you? Back up time and do a release show for the EP. Do you only play stuff from the LP? How are you going to work it all out? Man, I think at that point we would probably just do a mix of everything. Yeah, you know, I think that's what you got to do. Yeah, because it's. I mean, the EP is twelve minutes, twelve like twelve minutes as a whole, so it's a shorty anyway. Oh yeah, you could bang that out. Yeah, so it's it's funny because for that EP we recorded like eight songs. Oh really? Yeah, and we. Re- it's kind of the same thing. What we've always done, we'll record like double what we actually put on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, just so we have a little wiggle room, like, and we really have enough to work with to kind of get the flow, the right flow we want for the albums, you know? So what do you do with the extra stuff? We've, we've been messing with it, man. I mean, the, the original plan was to put out two, like a part one and part two, but, then we demoed again and we were like, oh man, this stuff's cooler than like the stuff that was left over. So it's, you know how it is. You, as time goes on, you write stuff you like more type deal. But I mean, we, they're sitting in the archives. I mean, I think yeah. there's definitely a lot of cool stuff. Like I said, you know, there's like four songs left over from that session. So it's, they'll be out there in some capacity, I think before too long, maybe like a bonus, bonus thing or. I remember reading or hearing a while ago that Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction, it was like their first album or one of their albums, and they took all the best songs from that session and saved them for the next album. Now, now that's a bold move. I would like to do that sometime. It's like you have your four best songs. It's like, no, we're saving these for the next record. I mean, Would you ever do that? 100%. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing now again. I mean... I'm I'm still in the mindset of like I like like I don't have to like a full length album doesn't have to be like ten or twelve songs to me. It could be like six or seven songs. Yeah, in fact it I don't think it should be anymore. I'm annoyed with ten and twelve or no, let me say this. Ten is the absolute max. If you have an album with more than ten songs on it in twenty twenty, you shouldn't. You just shouldn't. Yeah, I mean I I've been there for a while too, because it's like I mean, I, I judge it based off like classic metal albums, dude. Like the first three Metallica records were like anywhere from seven to like eight, nine songs, you know? It's like, but when you, when you go in and you basically just pump shit out in the studio and record enough to where you have that wiggle room to kind of like pick and choose, I've always felt like that's the way to go. Because it's like you're saying, like him saving songs for the next record, like that's, that's awesome, especially this day and age when, you can't rely on record sales anymore. You have to go out on the road. So like the more time you're off the road in the studio is more time you're wasting, you know, I mean, not, not wasting, but you know what I'm saying? 
to where it's like if you can if you have stuff the more prepared you are when you go in to record the faster you're going to be in and out and get back on the road i've always thought that's the way to go man instead because unless you because it sucks when you're in the studio i mean i've done records where you're in where you're working on it for like six to eight months you know and it's because you because we went in with nothing and it was all written in the studio you know so that kind of thing but that's hard to do this you know it's great when you can do it but it's i mean i wish you still could do it because that's like what the OGs in the seventies and stuff would do. They'd go in for the studio for like a year, you know, yeah. and just like fucking go crazy for a year and experiment. But like nowadays, you got to be quick, quick about it to get back on. Right. Like I always read stories. Like I remember reading about failure. Like they were putting speakers in toilets and like experimenting with all this shit. I'm like, imagine being able to fucking do that. Like, imagine being able to experiment with stuff and just live in the studio and write and work with a producer. Like, if I've never, I've got never even gotten past the point where I had extra songs. I'm like, we wrote five songs. That's a fucking EP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's harder, you know. I mean, there's still, I mean, you know, there's still like your your household name bands that have the luxury of doing that and stuff. But yeah, you're playing heavy music or you know, stuff like we're doing where it's, it's, it appeals to more of like a niche demographic. But I mean, I wish, I think, I think heavy music's starting to get more popular again. You know, I mean, over the last five years, even I've noticed, you know, stuff's getting heavier and, you know, people I thought would never be into metal or stuff like that are listening to it now. So it's kind of reminding me of like, you know, in the eighties, like everyone metal was like the fucking thing, dude. You know, yeah, it's. I think I can see that coming back a little bit, but uh, it's hard now, man. Because you, it's like as, as especially like a, a still like developing band. If you stay out, if you stay off the road for too long, basically like everyone, everyone's attention span is so short this day and age. You know, so yeah. If you if you don't tour for a year and a half, two years, and you're still like a new developing band, people forget people just forget man because you gotta yeah. think like records come out every every other week and shows every day or like that's how it was up until this so like you gotta be you gotta be out there trucking it dude so it's basically you you can go in a studio for two years and record like your masterpiece but when you get back on the road it's like starting over again you know yeah they're gonna be like who are you yeah <laughs> So what kind of music, what's your music wheelhouse? What's the stuff you listen to the most? Oh, man, anything and everything. Um, I've been listening to a lot of, like, Thin Lizzy, and I've been I've been recently really diving into, like, Celtic Frost from yeah. recommendation from, from Old Juan. Um, I'm a huge, I've always been, like, a diehard, you know, cult fan the cult southern death cult like you know i listen to a lot of, like killing joke and then like deep purple and like a lot of 70s shit and mm-hmm. like a lot of 80s you know kind of like depressed gothic goth, goth music <laughs> uh, yeah just because that you know just like all that real raw kind of live just dirty sloppy uh that era man where people go in and record live you know uh, yeah as far as more recent modern bands i i, I mean 
so out of touch. I feel I need I feel guilty and ashamed of that, but I feel like every everything I've listened to in the last five years has been just like the bands don't exist anymore or everyone's dead, you know. <laughs> well, check out our new uh, Spotify playlist. We've got classics, we've got new shit, we've got it all. If you want to listen to a banger from Celtic Frost, there's one that, uh, and I didn't even know Celtic Frost really before this, but Mortician covered one of their songs. Uh, it's called Procreation of the Wicked. Yeah. Song's a fucking banger. That's a fucking, <laughs> uh, that dude, this song is so good. It's so heavy. It's like that kind of like sludgy, like uh, super doomy kind of sound. It's so good. It's a real, it's just a fucking, I don't care if you don't like metal. It's one of those songs that you're just like, you automatically just nod your head to when you hear it. It's funny because like Juan and I demoing the other week, we were just like watching a bunch of old live Celtic Frost shit and like Sepulchre <laughs> shit. Like when we would take breaks, we'd just be kicking back watching like old foot. It's, it's cool, man. That's why. Uh, that's what I'm into is all that kind of like just grooved out. I look more grooved out heavy music than I'd say like technical, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I need, I need to have a groove no matter what it is. Like Meshuggah, Meshuggah is like my, my Bible. I go back to them time and time again. I'm just like, oh, you can listen to them in any situation at all. They're just amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're one of the ones that's, that's like one of the only ones that can, play as insane and technical as they do but also keep the it fucking you can still bang your head to that shit oh yeah, yeah. you could slow dance to certain songs i mean they're <laughs> fucking incredible it's awesome there's a song on uh chaos fear that i fucking always go back to and it was one of those ones when i first listened to it i kind of for some reason i don't know if i just skipped over it on purpose or it, i was just like not feeling it at first uh corridor of chameleons there's a fucking breakdown in that song that is so fucking good. It's about two and a half minutes in. Oh my word. That's one of those, like, I'll go back to that. Like, every time I like I hear Meshuggah, I'm like, oh, I gotta listen to Corridor of Chameleons. Like, I just have to put that song on because, like, just that their sound in general makes me think of that riff. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, it's like, dude, you can play, I don't care how fast you can play or tight. If you, if you, don't, have, if you don't groove it, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, that, yeah. It's like, that's a, that's got a hat. There was a movie. Um, I I I got it from this video store that closed down, and I remember we just bought a ton of DVDs, and one of them was this movie called Gummo. And uh, my friends were like, "Oh, we gotta watch this!" Like, I heard it's fucking gross and weird and all this, and I was like, "All right." And it was from the guy. Um, remember that movie? Kids. Kids. Yeah, yeah. Harmony Corinne. Corinne. I don't know how you say his name, um, but. I remember we turned it on and like one of the opening sequences is like then, you know, it's like them talking about this place in Ohio and that got hit by a tornado and never really recovered. And then that sleep track Dragonaut starts and it's these two like teenage kids on BMX bikes and the one kid has like a BB gun slugging around his shoulder and I was like, okay, I'm into this. <laughs> like, immediately like, jun, 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 jun. and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I don't care what this movie's about the rest of the time. They're using sleep and it's fucking about like these crazy, like trashy kids in fucking like rural Ohio. I'm into it. And that dude's movies are always so, it just leaves you with like a, like an ick feeling. There was a period of time when we were in college that I, I like a, a couple friends and I, that's what we, we like actively sought out movies that would kind of give you that feeling. And I remember 
um there's a movie have you ever heard of a movie called irreversible yeah. oh yeah, yeah so we put that movie on if you've never seen the movie um please be very mind like read something about it before you watch it <laughs> um but the ones there's a couple parts in it that are just really hard to watch but there is a scene at the end where this guy gets um he gets beaten up with a uh, a fire extinguisher and i remember we it, my friend had the remote in his hand and he paused it and he like got up and he was like i'm done i was like what and he's like i'm out i'm fucking out like that that was too much because there's a part when he hits him with the fire extinguisher and it looks like the guy's jaw actually disconnects and his face just becomes like this hanging like loose meat it is insanely i mean there's parts of that movie that are just there's a really long like uh like sexual assault that you're like oh my god i can't watch this and it, we fast forwarded through it because it's like eight minutes long we're like all right let's there's supposed to be something else really brutal in here and then we got to it and we all kind of had that moment of like we went too far yeah this- I, d- I just don't need to watch stuff like that anymore like there there's that whole genre of like oh this is really fucked up we're gonna wa-. i just i just don't wanna i don't wanna you know, there's I was like that too, man. I, I, I watched others and then I was just like, oh, fuck, why'd I watch that? I just I had to see it because I heard about it, but then I'm like, but recently, man, it'd been, it'd been a while since I had seen a movie with that element, you know, kind of element in it. And like, we've been yeah. watching so much true crime through this whole thing oh, yeah. where I'm like, dude, I'm like all in it, like, I'm a detective now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, we're like, oh, there's like apparently like a good new serial killer movie by like Lars von Trier, who's like. Oh, that's gonna be fucked up. That the house. Oh, he's wild, man. Yeah, the house Jack built or whatever with with Matt Dillon. He plays a serial killer. Cause we, my wife and I watched it, and we were like, because we were like, oh, dude, we've been watching all this true crime shit. Let's watch this. And I was just like, fucking, that movie was fucking ridiculously. There's sometimes where it just it goes too far, and you realize when you've crossed that point, and it's too late. <laughs> you yeah. can't un you can't unsee it. I still think of. Uh, do you do you guys remember The Exorcist? Yeah. There's a really really tiny little scene in that movie where they cut to um that the the face if you want to google it, it's Pazuza and it's a woman with like um like white face makeup on and like heavy dark black makeup around her eyes and it's this very demonic looking thing. Even when I think of it and I'm describing it right now, I still get the chills cuz it it is it's all the time, dude. It it's a two second part of that film, but it made the film so scary to me. And it's that, you know, like I'm, when I'm at night, like, and I have to like lock up the house. I go and like lock all the doors and like check everything like before we go to bed. And I I turn off the last light. If I think of that before I walk up the steps, I run up the steps. Like mm-hmm. in my head, like my she's grasping at my feet. She's about to get me. <laughs> That's still one movie that's that's like it's it's hard for it's still hard it still scares me every time I watch it. Yeah, yeah that, it, it's that. a scary one. Because there's a couple parts in that movie, you know. Uh, there's the the other part that really gets me is uh, when the young priest um, Dimitri is talking to Regan, and he the the demon starts imitating his mother, 
and starts talking to him like he's his mom. And she's like, Dimmy, why'd you leave me alone, Dimmy? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I can't. I can't. I got to pause it. I got to get up and walk away for a sec. Like, <laughs> I can't watch this part anymore. Like, this is, it's just too much because, like, it, it's just it, – it gets into a part of your psyche that it just re- – it jolts you. And it, it's, it's – it, I, I mean, I used to actively seek out those uncomfortable, like – Okay, I'm gonna try and test myself to see how far I can go with this, and then I know that I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, so those things I had, I saw The Exorcist when I was a, you know, I think I was, you know, 12 or 13, and those images still stay with me, and I'm 38 years old. Dude, yeah, same, dude. I mean, that you know, the fuck out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> and I, I, that's the other thing that that bugged me about, not bugged me, but. When I, I I liked horror movies when I was younger because it seemed so outlandish, like oh that can never happen, like you know uh, oh there's a you know clown that comes to life and murders people, or you know there's a guy with a hockey mask chasing people, or there's a guy with a William Shatner mask chasing people. That kind of slasher stuff was like oh, it's not real. That's not a real thing. There's nobody that you know. There's never an escaped mental patient murdering people out there, um, but. Growing up Catholic, I, I really internalized The Exorcist to the point where I was like, this this could happen. Yeah, this I just, the- I would watch the stuff and I don't know, I used to be entertained by it and I liked really gross stuff, but now I don't like anything too gory or violent and it, and it just makes me sad. Like it just bums me out and I'm not looking for that feeling anymore. Did did either of you guys see Midsummer? I have no. I saw, this, uh, I saw Hereditary, but... After seeing that one, I've been like super hesitant to watch the <laughs> Midsummer is even more traumatizing. I would say that's the last like really intense thing I watched. I couldn't sleep for three nights. And it's such an outlandish premise. Like it, there's no way it could possibly happen to me in my bedroom at night. But I was still so traumatized. I could not get to sleep. So what's the deal? Is it horror, but it's like about like... Uh... Is a cult or something? I mean, I yeah, it's the same style as Hereditary, like slow, menacing, but there's just the oh my god, just I I can't explain it. Like the way they do it, it I, you almost have to to sit down and watch it just to get through it. But it's it's fucking wild. Damn yeah, because Hereditary, man, that that was one that I like scared me like I was a kid again. You know, like yes, and I was like oh, I, I wish I didn't watch that. Why did I watch that shit? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like running up the Same. stairs full speed, you know, yeah. when the lights cut out, like trying to, trying to, someone's going to grab my ankle, you know, it just freaks you out, dude. Like the scene, yeah. she's like, just looks in the corner or whatever, and she sees like the ghost of the, of the mom just standing there. It's just like, it. Oh. Yeah. I would argue that, I don't know if I'm just getting soft in my old age, probably, but Midsummer is probably the scariest modern thing i've i've ever seen like it's you you almost have to watch it it's just it's like i think it's a modern classic for the ages i'm gonna check it out then because yeah. I, I i've heard everyone i know has seen it and they're like you can yeah. watch it and i'm like i don't know if i'm ready dude yeah just get ready to like not sleep so well for a couple nights <laughs> it's like human human horror it's not there's not like creatures or shit you know it's it right or something or is it like yeah yeah it's it's human horror damn that's the serious yeah. shit man 
There was a couple. I don't remember where I found it, but I found a list of like the scariest horror movies that no, you know that were like fairly unknown or at least not the most popular things. They weren't like mainstream cinema, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I'm gonna go find them all." And I remember right in a row, I found one's called a Serbian film. Yeah, oh, God. yeah. Don't watch that. No, no. <laughs> I won't watch any of these. Uh, the other one was, oh my God, it was part of a trilogy. Um, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was like super low budget. It was out of, um, there were people from Pittsburgh. Mortem. Uh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. I won't watch that either. And then, uh, there was another one called 120 days in Sodom. It was a film from the, I believe the mid 1970s. And these after so it's like after Mussolini falls, like these four girls um, go to this like kind of like uh, like it looks like a boarding school kind of thing. And it is just it's one of these movies. It's like it's like kind of like the precursor to like the idea of like hostile. It's just torture. Like you're just I'm not into like I'm not watching this. I I, I watched that one. and I remember it was I, – I, I was so disappointed at the end because I was like, oh, this – everybody kept saying it was this Japanese film. Audition. Um, yes. And I, I remember – it's all subtitled. It's it's difficult to watch. But there is a part in that movie where, you know, like you kind of have this realization about a girl that goes in this audition and you, – there's a section where she's on the phone and it cuts down to the bottom of the phone and you realize she's talking on a phone that's not plugged in. And then there's this burlap sack that's right behind her, like right near her feet. And the sack starts to twitch and you're like, Oh no, Oh no, there's a person in there. It's like, Oh, it's horrific. It's so hard to watch. Damn. This took a weird turn. I'm sorry. I I was the same way. Like I grew up, I was like a horror buff. I was like all into the fucking foreign horror. Yeah. All this shit. And then like one day it just started really freaking me out. And I don't know what happened, but I I think it's like when you, when I started to relate it to like, like, Oh, this, some of this shit could actually happen. And then it's just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. This is in her tell. Oh shit. You know, it's, I think it's when I started watching true crime or like listening to true crime podcasts and stuff like that with my wife. It's like you hear the like real stories and you're like, holy fuck, this shit like is like really scary to me now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it happens. I mean, look at Jeffrey Dahmer. Look at all these serial killers. Like it happens. Even, you know, if it's really raunchy, true crime, I won't watch that because I don't know, man. I'm I just can't handle it anymore. Yeah, I, 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 Keith, I'm really like when you immediately spit out, oh yeah, Mortem. I'm like, I had that vivid memory of like seeing the cover. Like I was like searching for. Did it you on the actually internet. watch that? I watched bits and pieces of it. Oh my um, god. The, the the problem was is that I remember this was like the days of um like when you could go on to like Pirate Bay and stuff like that. Not like I would steal movies, yeah. but um, wink, wink. It, yeah, uh, there were all, I could only you could only get like the sections of it like so when you would download it it would be like part one part three yeah um and i remember i clicked on one of them and i started watching it and i was like there's a there's a feel to that movie that it's very it feels like you're watching someone's home video which yeah. is, that's obviously its intention but it feels way too real 
and it's it like if you don't if, if the the sadistic kind of like sexual nature of stuff like that is off-putting to you stay as far away from that movie as you fucking possibly can because i remember even as like a 22 year old i was like eh, i'm turning this off oh like, yeah <laughs> i definitely won't watch it then because like i've seen like irreversible i remember when that shit was like you were talking about it and i watch it you know it's like the whole movie it starts at the end right and i guess yeah and like the whole premise is like he's trying to get the dude that assaulted his girl Right, it's like he's yeah, him. yeah. That's the entire thing is the is the is the chase to go get him. Yeah, and that's where he finds him at that like that that like sex club, and he just fucking caves his face in. Yeah, that movie was fucking brutal, dude. My buddy yeah, that's had a, a band called uh, Irreversible. <laughs> but they, I think, I don't know if they based it off the movie or took the name for the movie, but like the logo looked the same, so I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's a bunch of homeboys that, that kill, did some killer records. Let's talk about what we have coming up. We're going to look forward to the next release from Moon Destroys, right? Definitely, man. And we're going to check out Maiden Voyage on a, the streaming service of our choice or YouTube if we're Tommy, right? YouTube <laughs> <laughs> hey, sounds the best, man. Yeah. Yo, some- Keith Pick. Evan Keith picks on me because I fucking I I I refuse to pay for Spotify, so I just use I like I make my own playlist on YouTube and I just listen to them on there. And half the time when he sends me stuff, I'm like, "Yep, this is on YouTube. It's already on YouTube." Yeah, half the time. But the other half, we can't we can't connect, man. I eventually find it. I find (laughs) it somewhere. I find it somewhere. SoundCloud. Somebody put it up or something like that. SoundCloud's good. I mean, Bandcamp sound. I think you know because you can actually play the stream the wave files so it sounds sounds way better so we're gonna check out maiden voyage we're gonna look forward to the next moon destroys release and that's it right yeah and i mean we're gonna hopefully be putting out a new record first first half of next year if all goes according to plan so well we look forward to it and hopefully once you get back out on the road we'll be able to come see you you know, I'm, that's one thing I'm sad about. It's like we talked to all these bands, and I'm like, man, under normal circumstances, like we could fucking go see you and like hang out and stuff. And I'm like, that who knows when the hell that's going to happen? Hopefully soon enough. But Evan, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome, dude. I had a great time, you guys. Thanks for having me. And no problem, dude. This was this has been a fucking blast, dude. Yeah, thank you. And folks, listen, I don't want to have to keep telling you. Like us, subscribe to us, share us with others. Check out our brand new Spotify playlist, the Northeast Scene Podcast 2020. We have a link to it on our Twitter page and our Instagram page, the NE Scene. Follow us. We need more Twitter followers. We need more Instagram followers. We need more reviews. Do it all, man. Help us out, and we'll give you cold, hard cash. All right. I, <laughs> <laughs> I lied about that part. We don't have any money, but... Uh, listen, we need your support and keep writing us at northeastscene at gmail.com because your stories are a part of this too. So thank you, everybody, and until next time. Yay!